Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show with me, Michael Tinkster. We are on a mission to share what Maverick leaders know and do to build businesses that deliver strong results and positive impact on people, society, and the planet. Thank you to our brand partner, BizSimply, for sponsoring this episode. BizSimply is the all-in-one workforce management software that enables your business to become more efficient and profitable. The software designed and built by hospitality experts to enhance the way shift-oriented operators manage their business, optimize their entire people journey, and making every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, how we grow, and how we serve our customers. Together, we wanted to share strategies and tools to make the industry thrive long-term. The boundaries between them and their business can become really blurred and intertwined and um, I think one thing that I try to do is help people to draw those distinctions where they stop and where their business begins so that they can kind of create some perspective on these things and think about not just themselves and what they want long term, what their plans are, but also how they build that team for the future of their business. This is Polly Robinson. She's an executive coach for business founders, leaders, and senior managers. And she helped them drive the business forward by making them better leaders and get them to understand better how they can use their own leadership skills to navigate the business environment they face today. And when I met Polly some time ago, it became clear to me you needed to meet her and hear about her incredible journey and also get some of her incredible wisdom to help improve your personal as well as your team leadership skills. We dive into what critical leadership challenges CC leaders are facing right now and how she helps them overcome these. We talk about the challenge about when leaders have to balance the needs of their own development versus the organization. And we also talk about how do you actually measure success of a coaching engagement class program. Polly shares some great advice on what you need to focus on starting out as a new leader. We also dive into the misconceptions about leadership coaching. This conversation will make you understand how you become a better leader that can find ways to unleash the potential and power of your team. If you like today's episode, it will mean the world to me if you can leave a review on the show via our website, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The better the reviews, the better the guests and ultimately better the learning is for you. Now, dear Maverick, it's time to grab your favorite drink, notebook and some great leadership advice is coming up right now. Today we're going to be talking about an area I really always has been about is that actually how do I unleash my own but also other people's potential and one of the things I found really helpful to my life and I had a number of different people helping with this is actually having a coach and actually working through you know both challenging time but also good times because it's about always challenging the skill set you you have. And uh, Polly does the guest today, and I, I can't 100% how we connected. I think it was on LinkedIn. I started following Polly, and we started chatting. And then I found out that Polly is actually doing this amazing thing about leadership coaching for, for hospitality. So with that said, welcome to the show, Polly. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here, and thank you for inviting me to take part. For people that hasn't, you know, met you before, can you talk a bit about, like, you know, what is your story? And uh, and how did you actually ended up doing leadership coaching? Because often people don't start there; they they end there somehow. Absolutely. So yes, I'm a coach with a particular interest in working with hospitality businesses, and seem to be doing quite a lot with food and drink retail businesses as well. Um, I work with business leaders and founders on a one-to-one basis. I also run leadership development workshops. Um, and I'm also involved in a government-funded leadership program called Help to Grow, and I work with the School of Business at the University of Leicester on that. 
um, which I've been doing for two and a half years now. Um, and what I do, I suppose, is I help people to understand the difference between leadership and management, help people to build strong, resilient, happy teams, understand how to get the best out of people, to manage performance, um, and and also manage their build their own resilience and their team's resilience and manage stress. What is it that uh, made you uh, decide to focusing on hospitality, I guess? I think that's really interesting because, you know, you'd be a leadership coach across many different industries. and But why, why, why the niche hospitality? So my background is marketing, communication, PR. Um, and until the pandemic hit, I was working with uh, restaurants, pubs, Michelin star restaurants, family-run pubs, brasseries, etc., um, and helping them with PR and communications and brands. And when the pandemic hit, didn't need a lot of PR. We did some kind of support, and I found myself going into this kind of coaching role. Really, they needed someone to offload to. This advice that they were getting was changing every day. They they were lost really, but they had to work hard and pivot and reinvent themselves to, to help their businesses survive. So I suppose that was when I first found myself kind of moving into a coaching role. And it was something that I'd always been really interested in. Um, and it was, a, it was an interesting experience. And then that was when I also got involved with the University of Leicester School of Business on the, these government-funded programs, first on one that was all about uh, business recovery and resilience during covid and um, I was, and that was really interesting because I'd worked in food and drink for a long time, including running my own um, food and drink events business. But I was suddenly working with all sorts of sectors from um, hairdressers to law firms, accountants, haulage companies. And, um, and I realized that, you know, all sectors were facing some of the same challenges, things like at the moment, like the recruitment crisis and so on. Um, so, but I've always loved the world of food and drink. Um, I have a lot of friends that are chefs and um, all run hospitality businesses. And then I suppose a really pivotal thing was that during the pandemic, my then 17 year old daughter, having grown up in the food and drink world, surrounded by chefs and food writers and food producers and being dragged around farms and things like that all her childhood, um, just announced that she wants to be a chef and told me it was in her genes, which made me laugh because I've never actually worked as a chef around that world. And so as soon as things started to open up in April 21, she left home a month before her 18th birthday to go and start an apprenticeship um, on the other side of the country. And all the things that I knew to be true from clients and friends about working in hospitality and that I'd kind of talked to her about before she went, became a whole lot closer to home when it's your daughter ringing you up and saying, this is happening, I've had a really bad day, or this is really great, I love this buzz. And that really made me want to do something about it to make hospitality kind of better and more attractive place to work. Great. So, so, so that's your mission, I guess, as well, like making the industry a more attractive place to work. That's the ultimate mission. Yes, ultimately, that's exactly what I want to do, to make hospitality a better place um, to work that is more attractive. I and mean, we've heard so much about the recruitment crisis. And I think there's something around people's expectations of work changing. It's not an easy career to go into. Um, but I think you can gain so much from it. And even if it's only a short term thing, I've heard some quotes from sort of the, the big business leaders saying that when they recruit people, they often look for people who've worked in hospitality for three reasons. One, they know how to work hard. Two, they, they, will, they know how to work in, as part of a team. And three, they know about good customer service. So I think it's a great place to start your working life and and continue in it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've I've heard some of the similar things when I talk with industry leaders that's not in hospitality. They they actually think when young people have actually taken a, a stint there is not a bad thing. It doesn't really decide if they're gonna get a job or not that they actually spend some years in hospitality it actually helps them 
to actually really quickly integrate with the workplace because you learn to work like a team. And I think that's the biggest challenge they have also post-pandemic many industries is actually young people actually haven't been part of a team. They suddenly hit the employment market and actually they don't know how do we actually build relationship and how do you make things work with other people, which is the key thing in everything we do. Come back to relationship a, a bit later on. But but what makes you stand out, Polly? Like, what is that you do as a coach? Because like, there's uh, many coaches and there's uh, very different approaches everybody has. But what, what is like your unique source, if we can say so? It's my sort of innate interest in people and building connections and relationships with people and an ability to build rapport. So um, I, I I feel that it's, that's the sort of thing that people put on their CV. I get on with people at all levels. Um, I think I probably was writing that on my CV at a very young age, but I know that it's a particular strength. And I know when we have alumni events for the Help to Grow program that I keep referring to, um, a lot of people come and give me hugs and give me, you know, because they're pleased to see me again. And I know then that I've I've made a good, built a good relationship with them and made a difference to them. So that's one thing. And I think the other thing is my breadth of experience. So I work in the corporate world for a big five management consultancy. I've worked for a tech startup. I've launched my own food and drink events business, which I ran for five years. Um, I've worked with a whole range of businesses and sort of marketing communications world. Um, bring a lot of different perspectives to it. I haven't come to coaching through a kind of traditional moving out of being in HR in the corporate sector into coaching. I bring a kind of broader view, I think. And most importantly, that experience of having run my own business and knowing what those challenges are. Yeah, and I think those are super, super, super important because like being employed in a company, which I've done myself, big corporate as well, and running your own business are two different worlds. You can take a lot of skills and structures with you, but the reality of running your own business is it's such a different world. And you can't really explain it. You can maybe write a book about it, but like people haven't tried. It's a bit like getting children. You don't really understand what you're signing up for and the pressure that will give you. And that actually leads me very well to the next question. So how do you actually approach this coaching when you're working with leaders? And I would say, you know, leaders are really dealing with very complex issue in the moment within their organization, but also from the external world, as you mentioned before, when you started finding out there's actually something about that they have to change all the time because the outside world is changing all the time. So, so how do we approach that and how do we actually start that whole process? What is the, do you have like a, you know, foundational approach to this? Yeah, I suppose my approach is to be open, warm, supportive, but also able to challenge people and um, help people to build self-awareness and also to, to reframe their thinking, perhaps set patterns in their thinking, perhaps based on things that have happened in their life before. Um, coaching is forward-looking. So I think some people don't always understand the difference between therapy and counselling and coaching. Coaching is very much a sort of forward, forward-looking. So I'll help people to set a vision, to think long-term, and then to break it down into a manageable plan. Think about what the barriers to achieving that might be. Um, and really a lot about building confidence. So I work with a lot of women, and I think hospitality in particular is still quite a male-dominated world. Um, one of the things that and I work with women leaders in hospitality that they often ask to talk about is managing their imposter syndrome um, and things like that. So it's a lot about building people's confidence um, and and aspirations and self-belief. Have, have you seen some specific, you know, challenges across the board, you know, leaders are facing right now where you actually help them get through these in the moment? That's really the overall themes you're working through? Yeah, I think uh, two things really. We you know, need the term booker environment. So volatile, uncertainty, complex and ambiguity. And I think previously we, um, we've lived in a world where we go through a period of change and then it settles. 
and then you kind of get used to that status quo again and then we maybe face another change but what we're seeing at the moment is one change after another and so it's about helping leaders to sort of manage that constant changing shifting environment um that's one part of it um and then the second thing obviously is around sort of uh, staffing challenges that all industries are facing at the moment um but particularly in hospitality so um what that means is that teams are really uh, under-resourced. The people that are there are facing l- even more pressure, having to work longer hours to cover for short for short um, teams. Um, and also that people have a, a changing attitude to work. So again, in hospitality, another theme that comes up over and over again when I start working with people is how can I get people to be to commit more to my business, to be more engaged, to care more about what we do, to think about the big picture, because they're only here for a job. They're just here to earn money. They're, they're students or they're carers. It's, it's just about making money. And I think that's one of the themes that comes up over and over again. And so a real challenge for leaders these days is to find reasons for people to get out of bed and go to work and really care and, and commit to what they do. Uh, I think I don't know if you've seen this as well, Polly, but I've I heard a lot uh, recently that actually also that it's now that the whole situation have changed that actually it's not the employer's market, but the actually the employee's market now. The way you have to lead and changing that and actually understanding that, you know, it's all about building these environment that actually people want to come back to. And this is really how you feel on the day, making sure that everybody feels great. And of course, you need a good uh, employee experience and all that. But it's also that how you actually as a leader shows up and that has huge impact on what people does in that moment, either they resign or not resign because like their, their, their patience is not very long they want the best and they want to be treated fairly and they also want to be part of a great team that has great relationships suddenly your role as a manager which is in principle the job of a leader to make all these happen but they are complex things and suddenly you need to do that and also make sure that all the other things in the business that's you know sometimes are falling apart you need to be on top of but still still be standing there like a rock in a way and be able to create those you know great relationship between everyone yeah, I'm sure that this is an experience that some of your listeners will have had. But I was uh, working with someone recently who was advertising. She's got um, two um, sort of places in the northeast, and they were recruiting. And she said, pre-pandemic, they put a job ad out. They would have had 75 applications. This time around, they had 10 applications. And they set up six interviews and only three of those people bothered to turn up for the interview so I think that that is a challenge and then once you've got people on board how do you keep them there so again at the end of this year when my daughter sort of nearly over a year and a half into her role and having finished her apprenticeship was finding it tough and perhaps had an idea that the grass might be greener somewhere else and got offered another job and handed in her notice and then her employer really went out of their way to find out what it was that would make her stay and what's interesting is you know she's not been on my courses she doesn't learn that you know speak this language but the words that she said to me when I turned up for Christmas on on Christmas Eve she said they have made me feel valued for that reason she stayed and they've given her an opportunity to um, learn about wine. And she's just done her Wine Spirits Education Trust uh, exam this week. So they've given her an opportunity to grow. So I think for young people, it's not just about the money. It's about what's in it for me. How can I grow and develop? What can I learn? What can, how can I keep stretching myself? And and feeling that you're, that the people that you're working for care about you as a whole person. It's really interesting because like the the reason no matter generation I think that you consider leaving it's you know either you have a bad relationship with someone or many parts of the organization or you feel you're not growing anymore and there's nobody that really sees you and give you those opportunity. I think that that's the two thing or you've just been giving an amazing opportunity that is very far from 
from what you're doing today and you need to take the, the plunge. But I think the two first one is the most, you know, that's maybe 80% of the time. That's what's happening. Um, how do you actually, uh, you know, can you share a story from where you work with somebody that had, you know, a very challenging situation actually where you actually helped them overcome that and what kind of outcome did that actually lead to afterwards? I've recently been working with a um, small business uh, with a group of um, upmarket butchers in um, in London where they've had a lot of churn of staff they've got which means that they've got a lot of new managers in who've had who've come up through the butchery trade but they've never had experience of management no one has ever taught them how to manage people or lead a team um and the owners of the business asked me to run to create some kind of bespoke programs um to kind of develop their team of managers and i (laughs) arrived slightly late thanks to um london tube delays walked into this room of, of people uh looking a bit suspicious really and what am i doing here um but um they and I think they were suffering from low morale, kind of poor communication, short staffing, working in silos, um, not feeling trusted, not feeling valued. Um and what I worked with them was about building the confidence of the team, really. First of all first and foremost it was about um developing a rapport with them so that they would trust me and listen to me and know that I wasn't just going to sit there like they were at school and give them a lecture or a lesson on on how to behave but also to help them um, build better communication between their team and with the senior leadership team Uh, feed that back as well to the owners of the business to make some positive changes so that the business could continue to grow and that they didn't continue to have that serious churn of start people going because they were unhappy with what they were doing. And um, we've not long wrapped up that program. And, you know, I can see a real shift in attitudes in the individuals and, uh, and an increased um, level of trust from the senior management team to them to trust their expertise and knowledge of, being on the ground in the shops um so it's been it's been really rewarding yeah and especially if you can see it like physical like that and actually seeing how you can actually make more than one person's world better you actually touch multiple people even though if you don't deal directly with them i think that must be really really rewarding for you as a as a coach as well uh, how do you actually because you work with the individual. You have the leadership program. You talk or the, the the program you talked on before the grow the grow program you had, and then you also have your work with individuals. But when we work with an individual leader, I always think, how do you balance the need of because the leader always reflect. I think sometimes I find it a challenging when I've done coaching myself. Is like they they almost make the organization challenge about what they need to challenge, but it's not. It's not the task of the organization that's the problem. It's what's going on inside them that's the problem. But how do you balance that? Because, of course, they're doing the coaching because they want to impact results and outcome in the organization. I hope, I hope my question is clear, but there's this dilemma all the time. Yes, and I think a lot of the people that I work with are founders. So the boundaries between them and their business can become really blurred and intertwined. And um, I think one thing that I perhaps try to do is help people to draw those distinctions where where they stop and where their business begins so that they can kind of create some perspective on these things um, and think about not just themselves and what they want long term, what their plans are, but also how they build that team for the future of their business. Um, so, again, I've worked with another leader where again she'd had um probably about 30 or 40 percent of her team leave over the period of about three or four months and was when I started working with her her confidence was really knocked and she really felt that it was all about her and how she was as a manager and really um 
she knew, I think, deep down that that wasn't true, that, um, but that was what she was feeling in that moment. And um, so I think what we've done with her is really focus on the values and purpose of what her organisation is about and the people that she needs to build into the team. So both bringing in people with the right skills and experience, um, but also the right attitudes. And because you can train skills, but you can't change attitudes and um, and values. So she's now at a point where the team is bigger than it was um, even before she lost all of those people. They're back on focus. She's managing to step out of work in the business and work on the business and get out more to do more um, sort of networking and talking and building the business and all the things that she wanted to do. Um, so it's enabled her, I think, to trust the people running her business on a day-to-day basis. We'll be back in a moment after a word from our brand partner, Simply, and one of their customers, Goldex Investment Group. They operate Costa Coffee and Caspar's franchises, as well as workspaces. Now it's over to Bod Hemarshandra, their head of operations. The biggest win with Simply was freeing up the store manager uh, from the workload they have for the week. Scheduling and payroll plays a, a big part in the business. Obviously, it, it was taking over four hours a week for them before using Excel templates. They have to create the schedule beginning of the week, and they'd have to finalize at the end of the week uh, for payroll purposes, which was taking around four hours, like I said. Now, I think with Be simply we managed to reduce it down to 30 minutes or less. All they have to do is just finalize the, the payroll at the end of the week by pressing a button. It's that simple. So it saves us around three and a half hours a week per store. And that's the biggest win we've had uh, with Simply. It's very interesting, uh, Polly, we were talking about that. Also that, you know, when you actually get clear about what of people you need from a values and beliefs point of view and i think there's a lot of people that's created some values but they haven't really created what i call the book of culture and actually hire and fire from that because actually because often it's because it's not your ability you you're not a bad manager for everyone you can actually be a good manager if you're very clear about what you provide and what you're good at then you can actually get some very good people about you and then we all would be have people we would not be good at managing they would hate us as a boss we are not for everyone and i think that's the key thing you can't be a boss for everything and i think it took me a long time to actually accept that because some team I had really success with other people I just struggled with. I couldn't find out, you know, the salary were right. You know, I thought I'd done all the right thing, but they just didn't like my style. And I I, I can't change that because that's what I offer. And, and you need to do what you're good at in a way. And of course, that doesn't mean you can't listen and all that, but that's just some. And that's where you feel when a team come together and you get that, you know, team cohesiveness that way the team is so good that it just works by itself but that's yeah, because you've flows. been very clear about yeah the flow state where you actually been very clear as you said how what parameters is this team actually working under yeah absolutely and i think people when i a lot of the managers that i work with are very used to sort of micromanaging and not trusting people and it's about realizing that actually together you can achieve more, that you can improve uh, performance and ultimately profit if you can build that trust and empower people. Uh, and I think it's about coming back to again, like what people are, you know, I think people for generation have hungered in the workplace is also that, you know, freedom to operate, like have the autonomy. I don't need to be followed up on every time. I need the, the, the framework and I need to know how it works here and then i will go and solve that that doesn't mean you don't have systems and policies but give them freedom within that to get the outcome done um so you don't are like a hawk flying over them and i think that's definitely something you see now just not just hospitality i think you'll see you're seeing a workplace revolution you know the four-day work week is another example of that i can deliver my outcomes in four days i don't need to work five days for example yeah, and again, I've had a couple of hospitality businesses where they've kind of got a manual, a handbook that this is how we set the table in our business, you know, down to those real specifics. And 
in both cases, um, the business owners' frustration that people weren't following those things, that they weren't buying into it, that they weren't committed to it because it was just a bit of paper or a, or a booklet that nobody really bothered to read. And in one case, we came up with the solution that they would bring everybody in the team together to rewrite it, to think, ultimately, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to give our customers the best experience, the best food, and, um, you know, and, and feel really good and go away and tell their friends. So in order to get to that outcome, what are, we, what are the steps that we need to do along the way? And that might be from, you know, the really boring detail of, you know, how clean the bar is and how, how the table is laid. But if people come up with those ideas themselves, then they, then they will own them and be more motivated and believe in them. And, it, and the customer will feel that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, somebody I know really well actually did that before, but he didn't totally take the rule book where he said he actually made it public that we can change the rule book if you can come back and tell me to do it in more smart ways. And then uh, people didn't really believe that in the beginning. But then when the first one came forward, uh, a new employee, then he rewarded that and actually gave them uh, either, uh, you know, a financial reward or was it like, you know, maybe actually it was uh, you are, have more responsibility or you can go on this training course or something like that because actually it made the business better. They became more productive. They saved some money there because he hasn't thought about it in that way. And I think that's also a way of actually starting challenging the old rule book you have. It doesn't mean it has to be rewritten. It maybe needs to be checked somewhere. And actually these people that does it every day are really aware about something not working because you put that rule book there maybe down 10 years ago and, you know, and haven't really treated how you set the table since because it just works in your mind. I think there's also something about letting your team experience, experience being a customer in your business in whatever way that you can. So whether, whether that's offering free meals or vouchers towards meals to, you know, bring friends or family to come along. When I go and eat at the hotel restaurant where my daughter works with her, she's so full of pride of what it stands for, but she's also experiencing what it means to be on the other side of the kitchen. And that means that I think that the effort that goes in when she when she's back behind the path is completely different. And um, I don't think... I think you can become quite disconnected from that customer experience. So if you can give your teams that experience, that chance to be a customer, that will um, help them to come up with ideas of how to do things better and deliver a better customer experience. That's a really, really great idea also because uh, it's often you just put on the floor and to serve the customer, but actually how can I actually see it as a customer? Um, some of the best employees you can rehire as well as also people that has been customers of your business. That's uh, normally the experience I have through time. I know it's not always easy, but that's actually one of the best things. Then you can definitely, uh, in a way, create that moment if they haven't been in their own private time. One of the things I was thinking about as I was preparing for this, and this is like, you know, the question all CEOs, founder would ask, so so I'm going to do this leadership coaching. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it on my managers or I'm going to do it with my team. How do I measure success and an and impact in a way? Because like any, any penny spent has to come back X time again. One of the most obvious measures is, is around retention. Can I, can I um, improve the amount of time that people stay in my business? Can I increase performance? Ultimately, is what's the what's the bottom line? Can I see an impact here? Um, it might be doing kind of staff surveys or feedback, and, and you know, that can be as informal or as formal as you like. One thing that I always encourage people to do, even if you don't have a formal appraisal process, which I, I think has has limitations, check in with your staff on a regular basis. Go for a walk around the block with them. Or um, you know, sit down with them for ten or fifteen minutes a, um, a month or a quarter at, at least, and ask them how they feel. How are you, how are you doing? So I think that that's a really great way to measure the impact of these things. Um, and 
and I think it does have um you know a real bottom line benefit as well so at a recent alumni event for the help to grow program um one of the participants came bounding up to me saying I just wanted to tell you that I've doubled my turnover since I did this program I was, you know, and he was so excited and obviously there are other factors there but he was attributing part of the, the program and the work that he'd done with me and others on that to, to that to that change in performance so that's that's a sort of feedback that's really exciting to hear yeah, that, that's some great transformations there. How do you how do you see like you know leadership coaching has been you know around for a long time. You started over the pandemic, but it's like any trends that you see you know happening um, right now. We need to be very aware about from a future leader needs to be aware of like skill. It could be skill, but it will be mindsets they need to start thinking about. I think there is. A growing recognition that we have to put people first and um, uh, in hospitality a really nice way of putting it that I came across the other day from um, Hannah Springham and Andrew Jones who run farmyard restaurant in Norwich and set up a farmyard frozen frozen food delivery service during the pandemic they talk about free range chefing which they mean um the idea that people, consumers ought to care as much about where their chefs come from as their steak. I thought was a really nice concept. So, um, and I think that this is beginning to change. That's why people are, are I think, um, perhaps less of a thing in hospitality, but in other sectors, that people's expectations of work were beginning to change already and what work-life balance looked like was beginning to change but the pandemic accelerated that so people are finding it really hard to um, maintain that strong sense that strong culture that strong sense of community when people are working remotely that's something that comes up over and over again Um, and and I think I've mentioned this already but um, the other theme that keep coming across is people people talking about younger staff just not really caring it's just a job for them so how can we make them feel more committed and um, so that's one of the trends that that i keep um keep seeing and, and working with people on yeah and these are you know uh, for for many leaders a uh, complex things and it's not something you become good over one day how do you actually yourself keep yourself up to date and actually make sure that you have the newest learnings and skills when you go in and and work with your leaders so i suppose all the obvious things reading books articles listening to podcasts i love listening to hospitality mavericks podcasts are always an inspiration to me um but um and being aware of and reading about some of the um of models and frameworks and methodology is is obviously important i'm not long completed a master's qualification in coaching but i also think about having the confidence to not stick to those things too rigidly and um to respond to the individual um and i find also that inspiration comes in unlikely places sometimes you know interviews that i hear on i don't know radio six or um, meeting people, you know, socially, and and it's those kind of um, serendipitous moments as well that bring a new idea that you then follow through and read about more and investigate more. I love there's like the framework and the study, but there's also meeting the individual where where they are and actually trying to help them in their situation, and of course the questions are the questions i normally say it's about when you ask the questions there's the key thing and uh um coming coming on to to the next thing uh i think that i I would just want to touch before we run out of time today as well it's also like this uh you know misconception around leadership uh you know leadership coaching uh you know there's there's a number of common misconceptions about leadership coaching how what are they in your view and how do you actually address these misconceptions when you go out and meet people? Because I, I'm sure you meet the skeptics when you want to sell your services to them. Yeah, and I think 
um, I think there's a, a perception perhaps that coaching is just for when you're, you've got a problem, when you have a real challenge and you don't know how to, how to deal with it. Uh, I don't think that that's true. It can, of course, it can help in those situations. But I think um, coaching is valuable at any time and um, can help you to grow as an individual and to grow your business. Um, I think there's also a perception that it's only about soft skills, intangible skills, but I think, it, as I said, it can really drive hard results as well. And those, those soft skills aren't so soft. They, they really matter. Um, and sometimes people think, are nervous of a coach. They think that um, either... They're going to come in and tell them what to do and tell them that they're doing it all wrong. And that's not the case at all. Um, but it's much more about building self-awareness, learning to understand yourself better, understand other people, build that emotional intelligence, really. Um, they, those are the things that I'm really interested in. Yeah, and you told in the beginning as well that you were, you know, you have been through a little bit of a pivot during the pandemic um and what have been you know you, you transition from pr marketing slowly over to do more and more leadership coaching what, what have been your main learning because that that's that's a shift and what does that have that done to you and the way you think about things i think i have my career my role what i do lots and lots of times throughout my career and uh, at different points, I face some real challenges, uh, often all at the same time. And I, I am a real believer in believing in yourself that anything is possible and um, with enough determination, tenacity, perseverance. Um, and um, again, I, I had a great um um, story the other day at this conference from J uh, James Averdiak, who is the, the founder of Goo and Coconut Collaborative, and he was working in big corporate dairy world, but had the idea for Goo, and he went skiing with his big brother, who he described as far more successful than me, and one of his brother's friends, who was an investment banker or something, saying, "So, what are you doing now?" And he, he told this guy, oh, well, I've launched this business and this is what it is. And we're about to go into Waitrose. None of this was true. And he said, I kind of got off the ski lift and I thought, well, let's better do it now. <laughs> and I think that I, um, I'm a bit like that too. I think I probably started talking about doing leadership coaching in hospitality before I was actually doing it because and knew that if I started telling people that I was doing it, then I'd have to do it. So I suppose one of my lessons is keep moving and believe in yourself and you can make it possible. I love the idea about you need to almost set yourself in the situation. You're already in the situation. And then if you tell anyone, you actually become accountable and thereby you need to take the actions to move you forward. I love that. Uh, I have definitely also used that myself uh which is it's very helpful because then you just have to jump you have to stop thinking so much about the obsessive detail and the procrastination just go away it's really really powerful stuff it coming comes staying a bit with you as well like because you you know how does a coach then make hard because like leaders make lots of hard and tough decisions especially in the moment so how do you make them yourself because you probably also in your endeavors has to make hard decisions how do you get through a difficult situation and what is uh, your control points it's lonely running your own business i've worked freelance for nearly 20 years now i don't have a business partner to speak about i don't have a life partner to speak to these things about and and i um see i am lucky i've got a lot of supportive friends and things but um i I'm a bit of a writer. I write things down into manageable parts. I think I'm quite an intuitive person. I'm quite led by my heart, but with a sort of healthy dose of, of head. Um, I think trying not to, although I've just said, kind of just do do it. Um, I also uh, I think about things 
all the time. So I'm, I swim almost every day. I do a lot of yoga. I run, um, sort of, and I'm always thinking about these things while I'm doing, while I'm kind of literally moving. Um, but my, my tips would be to think about reframing things. So how, how could this be possible? What, what if that was to happen? And then, you know, how, how do we do this? How do I achieve this? And, and in what ways do we make this possible? And that kind of, that fourth step is identity, helps you to identify your kind of your actions, your methods, helps you to remove the barriers, starts to build the plan. You, you just mentioned there as well that you, you have some activities around moving. You mentioned swimming as one of them. Um, do you have like routines to make sure that you show up as the best person you can be on that day? Because in principle, what people buy is you and your ability to be in the room. And for people out there, what I'm thinking about right now, uh, I know why some people pay Tony Robbins millions a pound is because it's Tony Robbins and the way he shows up. If you like it or not, that's 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 what it is. And there's some powerful stuff about that. And that, I think coaching or mentorship is a lot by, about that. Yeah, and I think some days when I've done a few sessions and maybe touched on some difficult things with people, you can feel quite drained at the end of the day. And it's really important to look after yourself. And I think... Uh, work a lot with people talking about wellness and looking after themselves and so I try and practice what I preach so I start almost every day with 20 minutes of yoga I do I in the beginning of the first lockdown I started doing yoga with Adrian she's like a member of my family um and um so that's really important to me um I try and swim or run almost every day um the, the irony is that I really hated sport at school I was really hopeless at sport was always the last one of the last ones to be picked teams people that know me from them would would laugh at how much time I spent doing things like activities like that now um and then another really important thing to me is surrounding myself with positive people I know that personally I'm a real extrovert I get my energy from being around people and um So um, we often go out for walks with friends, walk and talk. So again, that's the kind of thing that started in the pandemic when you couldn't go to people's houses or go to cafes, but you could go out walking with people. And I'm lucky because I live in the countryside. So um, that's something that I've kind of continued with lots of friends around here. And that's really nice too. What is um, your top advice probably to people that want to build uh, a business as a thought for good? Tune into the world. You can't ignore what's going on around you. Operate in the silo anymore. I think it's a given now that any business has to take it responsibility, take responsibility for operating sustainably and ethically. Um, knowing your truth, knowing your purpose, creating meaning in what you do. What What are the values that matter to you and your business, and what would you defend to the hilt? Um, and creating a legacy that you can be proud of for your children and your grandchildren. Um, those those are the things. So think think long term about the impact that you're having on the world. Um, what is the Polly? What is the one question you wish I've asked you today? And what would that be? And what would you have answered? So I think it's maybe something around stories and people and how. I think I I have changed my career a lot of times and I sometimes wonder how I ended up where I am and trying to make sense of that from doing English at university, completely um, brilliant, but to, to, what I do, <laughs> to what I do now. And um, I think I, I often, when I was, focused on PR and also doing a lot of food writing I describe myself as a storyteller and now as a coach I think I'm still storytelling I'm helping people to tell their own stories and create their own stories build the future of their of their stories um so uh, again it's kind of there's nothing constant and you have the power to make things happen 
and what I what I love about what I'm doing the work that I'm doing with people now is seeing people realize how they can shape their stories and have those kind of legendary light bulb moments and revelations and 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 believe that they can achieve the what they want to do I love it. I love it. Like uh, how, you know, the, the storytelling element and it actually gives sense you started with English because then it actually gives you the foundation of becoming a good storyteller as well, but also how you facilitate other people's story. I love that. Where, where can people uh, find out more about the work you do and how do they connect with you if they want to reach out and ask some more questions or look into how you could help them with uh, leadership coaching? Yeah. Um, so I have a website, which is just my name, pollyrobinson.co.uk. I'm on Instagram, I'm Polly underscore Robinson underscore coach. And you'll also find me on LinkedIn. Um, and I run a few kind of free taster online sessions as well. So that's a good place to start if you're not sure that it's the year. It kind of gives you a sense of whether whether these kind of programs and, and all one-to-one coaching something that you benefit from. Great. Thank you so much, Polly, for, for coming on the show and sharing your, your insights, your journey, your wisdom and all your tricks and tips and hacks on becoming a better leader. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate or give a review or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is key to become a better leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books to improve yourself, others and the organization. Find them on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at bitsimply or bitsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at bitsimply.com. Thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer from the Podcast Collective. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick Podcast Show. Be Maverick.